I have tapes and they are hot, all quite ting ting, it's the start of the pod. My team's good and yours is not quite down ting ting, it's the start of Hello! Coming to you in a pre-recorded fashion from the League Podcast Headquarters in Upper Arlington, Ohio. I am Diesel, and this is Don't Fear the COVID. Joining me today, as he always has, is the Commish, and our guest today, from the small city of Box World, Ohio, Colin joins us. How are we, Colin? I'm fucking riled up. <laughs> Colin, would you like to explain to the folks at home what you've been going through for the past I, hour? I, so... Just to let you all know that uh, I see a lot of messages online saying, you know, thank you to our medical workers. Thank you to people who are making PPE in these troubling times. Hey, out by my punch out cloth is a sign that says you are the real heroes. And I no. say, you know what? Damn right I am. There have been absolutely no Google banners praising Box World, But let me tell you, we're working just as hard as anyone. So... I was I was ready, excited to come do the pod. We we're going to record at 8 p.m. because I work a little bit weird schedule. And then around 5 o'clock, got a notification that, no, meeting at 6.45, 5.15, meeting moved to 7.30. 7.30 comes around, meeting going poorly. We get into the 7.45, 8.15 range, really questioning whether or not we're going to be able to even do this. And at 8.45, the call organizer says why don't well i'm gonna drop i got another call i'll be back on this one at 9 45 you guys keep going <laughs> so pretty much just crushed my spirit there i almost told john i was done um but the minute that he dropped from the call every other person on the call also dropped so i was saved from that fate but safe to say i'm pretty freaking pissed and mm-hmm. excited to do this uh this podcast here yeah uh, no, unbelievably I- wild move to just be like hey just Kill time for an hour. I'll be back. Yeah, a full hour. It really shows complete understanding of your authority. Yeah, as honest. Yeah. When you feel that that is a completely reasonable thing to request. <laughs> hey, hey, fellas, just two clock for about sixty minutes. I'll be back. So anyway, here we are. We're going to try to make this uh, as as expedient as possible, think- given the idea, the fact that I might have to get back on a call at nine forty five. Yeah, at really any moment, actually. I guess technically. So with that in mind, uh, let's dive into our segment. Our segment today is, uh, I didn't really come up with a snappy title unless somebody else has one in the back of their head. Uh, for now, we're calling it Apocalyptic Superlatives. Hey, you nailed it yesterday with hypotheticals. Yeah, you can only really go downhill from there. So we'll stick with apocalyptic superlatives. I'm shocked that that one's getting as good of a uh, response as it has. But only from me. I mean, that's not the second time I've brought it up. But I've heard no other praise from me. I was absolutely like I was Baptist church clapping until (laughs) he said that John ruined it after he specified what he meant. Yeah, it was entirely clear from the beginning. Yeah, no, I figured. But oh well. Um. Yeah, I, I went downhill immediately afterwards, so really this is just par for the course then. So, uh, with that in mind, I mean, Colin, you can kind of take the reins here, because Colin is going to run us through uh, 
a set of uh, sort of hypothetical superlative type questions. Yeah, full disclaimer, I did not know that this is very similar to the thing that you did yesterday with Garrison. Uh, yeah. But it's it's slightly different at the time that I suggested it. But It's different enough. It's a slightly different, different theme. So uh, this kind of came about, members of the ranch know I've been reading a Stephen King book called uh, The Stand, which really just to get me in the spirit of mm-hmm. uh, plagues, um, all-time great plague book, yeah. I have to say. <laughs> Um, but anyway, in it, you know, without spoiling too much, the general premise is that, you know, 90, well over 90% of the, of the population dies in, uh, from a flu and, you know, the, the rest are left to pick up the scraps. So I was kind of got me thinking about what would be some interesting, interesting things to ponder if we were in this situation. Um, and, and so I came up with a few questions and we're all going to kind of I'm going to ask the question and then I gave Charlie and John time to prepare and we'll see what everyone comes up with um, in terms of their answers. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything to add to that before we start with just the questions? I'm curious, Chuck, how much did you prepare for this? Uh, I worked from 8, 15 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and then filled out my answers from 4.30 p.m. to about 4.37 p.m. <laughs> and then... And then we're about, here, so that's about I, where I I'm at. I filled out my answers in one word immediately after I sent the questions. So okay. we're all at a pretty much level playing field that's here. That's perfect. Okay. Yeah, then we're set. Okay. All right. So we're going to start as basic as possible. Um, this is just, you know, kind of way of life type stuff. So the, for my first question is, what what food are you going to miss most post-society and post-technology? And conversely... What food do you like a lot that you think will still be available and maybe consumed even more? Okay. So I'll le- I'll lead off Please. because it's the first one. Yeah. And say that definitely for me, I'm going to miss Chipotle. Mm. Um, because unless you get like a clan of people whose sole purpose is to just reopen Chipotle, <laughs> I find it very unlikely that that's going to be something that happens. Yeah. Um, and, and so... You know, that's going to be something I definitely miss. Um, However, I'm a huge cornbread guy, and I feel like we don't have enough cornbread. And from anything I've seen of apocalypses, corn weighs heavily into, like, reconstruction. Oh, yeah. Um, So I think cornbread actually will make a strong resurgence. That's something that I'm excited for. Yeah, maize really just flies off the shelves. Mm -hmm. The maize, yep. So that's what I'm going with for food. Yeah. No, I could see Chipotle. I think... Yeah, because Chipotle is one of those things that I feel like at this point, I mean, I don't know about you, Chuck, we all eat it like at least once a month. For you, it's probably more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, probably about there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just going to be a loss, just mm-hmm. something that I think will be sad. He'll just remember it fondly at night sometimes. All right, Chuck, what about you? All right, so for the thing that I'd miss the most, I went with a little, I went with just like, chocolate. That's a good point. That's not really something you could easily produce. As I say, when you when society breaks down, the like refining of cocoa beans and making chocolate could take a big backseat to like survival in general. And I think that in like a society like that, like you miss those little like treats and sweet type of things that, that aren't available anymore. No, that's a good point. Chocolate definitely it becomes a finite resource. That's not the first. You're not worried about turning the chocolate factory back on. No. Exactly. Low on the totem pole. You're worried about building the house that's going to protect you from the elements or something like that. Yeah. Um, And then for the thing that I really like that I think will be around is 
uh, like steak or beef, because similar okay. in the like corn, the maize thing, like domestication of animals and like farming, gonna be a big leg in like getting society back rolling. And so I feel like like beef and things will still be available. Absolutely, I, I that was steak was the one that I had to that I was you know thinking about initially when I posed the question. So yeah, I agree with that. That's a straightforward. That's also a part for the course for the old uh, the old sausage king in Cleveland over there. Oh right. yeah, on brand as always. <laughs> Got to stay on brand. Uh, okay, so so my answers. So the thing that I'm going to miss, uh, buffalo sauce. We will cert like just like it's not a food, but like just buffalo we wings. Will lose we'll buffalo say buffalo sauce, won't we? Buffalo sauce, we will certainly not be able to replicate. Like, we might be able to get some sort of spice back at some point, but we're not going to be able to get that. I mean, you can, like, grow back. peppers and what? what is what is ranch dressing made out of? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the ranch plant. Like, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> oil? There's probably oil in there. And... It grows on ranch trees. Is it a fruit or a vegetable? <laughs> I know that the seeds are on the outside, but also it grows on a the Hidden Valley logo has a lot of like vegetable fields in it. So, <laughs> so we can surmise from that that it's probably yeah. Neither of those things are coming back in the apocalypse. No, yeah, it's gonna be tough. We will not be able to develop a oh, so ranch. I think maybe if we could figure out what the fuck is in ranch, maybe we could get there. Buffalo sauce, I have no idea what kind of chemicals they pump into no, like modern yeah. buffalo sauce. <laughs> to, get, to get a bright, vibrant orange sauce, yeah, I have no idea what's in there. <laughs> yeah, so that's staying gone probably forever, actually. I think buffalo sauce is out. It's by the wayside. And that's, that is a huge loss. I didn't even think about it. That. Bumps, I feel like sad now. I'd just be eating a chicken at some point and be like, fuck, this would be good with some, like, you know, like. Yeah, because chicken sauce. very much still on the table, no pun intended. Yeah. And <laughs> buffalo sauce. Gone, gone. Regret yeah. All right, what about something you like? The thing that I like, I kept it very general, but just bread in general. And to tag <laughs> on to what Chuck was saying, um, I will gladly eat beef and bread every meal until I die in this apocalypse and be very happy with no, myself. No, that's a great life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. If, that, if that's all we have left, I'm in. So At this point, clocking out via cardiac arrest from high cholesterol, that's a good thing in the post-apocalyptic yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, life is hard. At That's that a point. positive. Exactly. I guess. I guess the the steak and the fat is probably counteracted by the fact that you probably have to haul ass twenty three miles a day on foot. Yep. That's, yeah, at you least like build a house by hand <laughs> with no power tools. Yeah, you have to fall entire trees in some way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we'd probably we'd be in better shape than we are right now, but yeah, we'd be eating good. As well, not a lot, but what we would be eating, I'd be happy with, I guess is my point. And it'd be easy to make too. So yeah, I'd be good with any bread, realistic. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly, uh, you know, thinking about it, the the post-apocalyptic diet isn't that bleak. You know, if you can have the basics like steak and chicken and things like that. And even, you know, you don't necessarily have access maybe to like canola oil, Mm -hmm. but we could still make like duck fat fries and things like that. I I think it's true. No, we could do a lot of stuff if you had the security to like really establish a compound. Right. That which which we'll get to that yeah, at some course. point. So um I'll move on to question two here. Um assuming that you're the type of person that would want to try to form reform some sort of society, just you know, strength in numbers type deal. Um, you're recruiting uh for people to join you. 
what one pro athlete do you want to have uh, as part of your new community? So, Charlie, this time I'll let you go first. Uh, this is might be to you guys a wild pick, but it's just clearly the right answer. Madison Bumgardner. <laughs> okay. Okay. Show your work. Okay. For, for this sake, he regularly uses a fake name to compete in rodeo competitions. Do you, are you aware of this? No, I was, I was not. No. No, so he, so he regularly competes in rodeo competitions under the name Mason Saunders. He's a legitimate cowboy. He, like, ropes and rides, like, does all stuff on horses. Huge asset in the post-apocalyptic society. Shit. He's a legitimate cowboy. So you're thinking you're, he's going to be an asset to have with you, you know, going out ranging, or if, if you have cattle, he's going to be able to keep them contained and things like Ex- that? Exactly. Those, like, sort of crucial early techniques to, like, secure food and be able to do that, he'd be a huge asset and stuff like that. Apocalyptic soft skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No response to Chuck. Plus, if, if there's intruders, he'll just take rocks and just heave them at people and they'll die. No, defense, the defense aspect is definitely there for, for a mad bum. Um, and he also kind of just looks intimidating, like kind of like wildebeesty and things. Well, exactly. Like once once you're in there for six months, you got like the caveman beard going. He's a guy you do not want to screw with. Absolutely not. not I, I like that pick. Mine is also very much out of left field. Yeah. Please. Um. So I'll go next. Um. I went with Elliot Kipchoge, the pro marathoner that ran the sub two hour marathon. Oh shit. Okay. And here here's why. Number one. Just seems like an extremely nice guy and always, <laughs> always smiling. Where, where is he from? Where is he from? Kenya. Okay. okay. I, fi- I figured I didn't want to just jump to that conclusion though. That's fair. Runs 26 miles in is, first of all, doesn't look distressed. Second of all, <laughs> smiling openly. Just seems like a great guy to be around. Sure. Um, and then the second thing is that the persistent hunting possibility with a person with that kind of stamina is absolutely off the charts. Mm-hmm. Like, especially if you're in an area if out out west where you have things like antelope or even deer, and you have a person that can literally just run until they get tired <laughs> and then down. catch them catch up. Huge <laughs> asset. Lastly, from a security from a security standpoint, as a scout, mm-hmm. mobility is going to be a huge problem without without vehicles. And having the ability to cover a lot more territory in one day more quickly is a gigantic asset. So overall, I think from a survival standpoint and a nice person standpoint, I'm going with Elliot Kipchoge, uh, Kenyan marathoner. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. That's how that's how the early man used to hunt: just run until the animal gets tired from heat exhaustion, and then yeah. you kill it. Like. And- We've fallen a long, long way <laughs> yeah. as a species from that that temperament from from uh, that from that peak performance. Yeah, yeah. and uh, some of us carry on the art better than others, and I think you want to have those people on your side. Well, yeah, no, the Kenyans are fucking crazy. Have you have you ever seen uh, those like expeditions of like it was? I think they used um, Mo Farah. That's the the British dude, right? That's his yeah, name. He's the British yeah. It was like some like expo where they had like a treadmill and it was set to the speed he ran his entire marathon at like in the Olympics or whatever, whatever big like event he was in. 
And they had just a line of just average people trying to see like how long they could just run at that pace. It was like 30 seconds for like it, at best for most people. So yeah, no, the, like, the stamina and like that aspect, like undeniably huge. It's a completely different tier, uh, like pro marathoners. And like, if you look to run a marathon in under two hours, I don't think that I could legitimately run 200 meters at the speed that, that he did this in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just hands down, you're going to be able to map out a 15 mile perimeter around your entire encampment every day with minimal <laughs> yeah. and be smiling at the end. <laughs> that is just a win across the board. That, that's, that's a fair point. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, and that's the thing he could probably like, if he took, took a little off the pace, yeah, he could just do whatever he wanted. Just, yeah. I mean, yeah. cover 50 miles. Yeah, if, if you're like, Hey, let's like, just do 10 miles today. He'll do it in like an hour. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I just feel like, you know, it, without, without cars, getting around is going to become an underrated skill. Yeah. He could be a messenger potentially yeah, if you needed absolutely. one. Yeah. All right, John, what'd you come up with? Uh, so my initial pick uh, that I was going to go with was Khalil Mack, but I am going to pivot now that Charlie uh, said his because I'm realizing that the much better pick is Yoannis Cespedes for three reasons. He's a little farmer, isn't he? Yeah, one, he <laughs> owns a cattle ranch. So yeah, like okay. he has that skill. Huge win. <laughs> he runs a cattle ranch in Florida. Uh, two, he went head-to-head with a boar. Did he get maimed? Yes, but he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is big. You know, you want to have somebody who can do battle with a wild animal and walk away on the other. You're not going to come away scot-free, but you want well, to be able to walk away. Mostly just the spirit of not backing down. With yeah. The wild no, yeah. He faced a wild boar and came away. Probably the, the boar's probably dead. So, yeah. I mean, we're fine. And then three, uh, once, he, you know, the cattle ranch gets set up, uh, you can just kind of hand him any sort of bat-shaped object and let him just parole the perimeter. And he is now your security to force. He's physically a big guy which is what i was gonna say for khalil mack was that at that point you could just have khalil mack be your entire security force and just let everyone else yeah. do other things i assume khalil mack your main point was that he'd just be the human equivalent of a workhorse yeah exactly like, yeah like that's the thing yeah like oh shit yeah khalil we need this tree to be knocked down i did think a lot about indomitian sue he was just missed the cut based on Elliot's nice guy factor yeah. that I don't know if Indomitian <laughs> brings to the table. Indomitian could still get mad and just stomp you on your face or something. like. But that's the thing. That's the guy you want on your side, though. It's true. Crucial. That's true. But anyway, I, I yeah, Giannis. Yeah, I'm going Giannis. Good pick. Having the cattle ranch is just a lot of points like right up <laughs> front. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's, it's important to have an elite athlete that you could have has – either professional farming or, like, ranching skills, or, in Colin's case, could adapt his skills to a crucial task. Anything, yeah. yeah. To, to yeah, a, num- a number of important tasks. Yeah. yeah. No, that's... Yeah, All right. that's that's good. Yeah. Uh, that that wraps up question two. Question three, I expect to have a little bit of debate about. Okay. Um, what weapon would you most want to have? Could be handheld, defense-based, or attack-based. And then just to clarify what I told them, I said you, bullets are available but are a finite resource. So, yeah. like, you could raid the abandoned gun store by where you are, but, like, you know, the more you use them, the further you're going to have to go away to get them. Yeah. So just something to keep in mind, not that it should take it out of, out of uh, consideration. But, yeah. John, I'll let you go first this time. So this one I thought was 
I'm really just pulling from The Walking Dead at this point. It's got to be crossbow. Because, for again, three reasons. Uh, one, ranged weapon, which is good just based on the fact that most people are not hand-to-hand combatants. Like, that's just not where we're, at, where we're all at. Um, two, easy to use. Uh, like, relative to, like, a, a bow and arrow. Like, yes. It's a lot more straightforward to learn how to use a crossbow. Yep. And then finally, ammo is reusable. Like, if you were to yep. shoot, like, an animal. You can recover, and you could build it in-house. You don't have to find gunpowder. Exactly. So if you ran out of arrows, you could make them potentially. Abs- yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that one's... Yeah, crossbow, crossbow is definitely a good pick. Um, I guess uh, with, the, uh, with the hand-to-hand combat thing, one thing that I do think is interesting, and I think this was from, like, a, from a Dan Carlin episode where uh-huh. he was talking about how people are just in modern times are just not comfortable with stabbing each other yeah and like even in like um even up into like the se- the um 18th century the 19th century uh bayonet charges were often not as effective as they could have been because people were extremely hesitant to actually stab anybody with the bayonet <laughs> stabbing somebody is very uncomfortable experience for both parties um and i have a feeling that post-apocalyptic world will will have to come around on the resistance to stabbing um, I, I feel like this is the, yeah you're just gonna do what you gotta do but but i do think that at the beginning and the most critical time you know it's it's good to have something that maybe puts a little different distance between you and the carnage that you're causing oh, so yeah i would say so oh yeah Charlie, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Uh, I have a similar line of thought, but I went with Hatchet. Okay. Um, for a couple reasons. One, it has a hand-to-hand aspect to it. So if you get up close, you can start swinging it and do some damage. Uh, you can chuck it at somebody. You know, assuming that I get really good at throwing the hatchet. Like If I was in a post-apocalyptic, I would just master the hatchet throw. So it becomes a... Somewhat range weapon, not on the level of a crossbow or a bow and arrow, but I could probably hit somebody from 15, 20 feet away. I um, mean, even with the blunt end, a yeah. hatchet blow that just hits them is going to be painful. It's going to yeah. knock you down. And then the third thing was that a hatchet, when not in combat, doubles as a tool mm-hmm. that could be used around whatever other tasks you're doing. That is a huge advantage. Does help. Absolutely. Yeah, I like I like the idea of the hatchet. Um, you know, the only I would say the only problem with it is in terms of speed. If you're facing a variety of enemies, and I think this is similar for the crossbow. Mm-hmm. You and John are both operating on a lower hits per minute. Oh yeah, you know, Th- that's correct. Other ranged or other handheld weapons, yeah, so to speak, like a a sword. You get more slashes in in a shorter period of time than a hatchet. A crossbow, obviously, a gun. Or, yeah. <laughs> or you know, a hand-to-hand weapon, you not having as much downtime in between. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like the one criticism for the crossbow might be that you're you have you almost kind of have to be operating in a support function if you're looking mm-hmm. at a long large-scale battle. Oh you yeah, you can't be like one v one with a crossbow. No, you're in a tower. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. else it's basically one hit or you're dead. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, that it, hell of a reload time of the crossbow. So. I went a little different route, and maybe mm. it was just the wording of the question wasn't exactly right, but I went with the trebuchet. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. And here's the reason why. Yeah. I'm I my my idea of what's gonna happen here is, you know, bands of people that are survivors are gonna slowly find each other 
Um, and very early on, maybe with group size under 20, I feel like the inclination is going to be to join up because you kind of feel vulnerable about your number. You're excited to see new people out on the road. Early on, the more people you have in your group, the better you're just going to feel by your situation. So then, but you do reach some sort of critical mass, Mm -hmm. maybe around like 40 or 50, where it starts to be like, we kind of have something going here. And you start to get that very human inclination to eye the other people around as potential threats. Yes. And while the other weapons might be more practical on a day-to-day basis, I think that what you're going to find is the side, say you come up on another, another encampment and you're the one that's rolling a fucking trebuchet (laughs) up into the outskirts of maybe their fields where they're trying to get some, some sort of cattle going and they just look out and they see, Oh my gosh, someone just rolled a trebuchet into the clearing. (laughs) And you're like, I came to play with a siege weapon. You're saying the, skirmish amongst yeah. the corn like i am going to knock down all of the log cabins that you built the ability the ability to chuck a two-ton stone <laughs> into their area is has been intimidating i will agree my next part all the parts of a trebuchet very renewable yeah log, you can make it happen rope is slightly harder but doable. also not entirely critical you can you could make a trebuchet just with like simple twine and that's something that you can easily put fit put together Rocks, also a renewable resource <laughs> heavily at, for all intents and purposes. So I'm going with Trebuchet. I want my clan to be pulling up with like maximum intimidation factor. No, yeah. Given given the parameters of the question now through that lens, you're absolutely correct. You have bargaining power for the remainder of yeah. the time that you're out there. And it's like, okay, the other people have guns. We'll just back up behind the tree line and throw <laughs> two-ton rocks into your in your place. Like, I'm just saying, I, I, I think it's an extremely powerful psychological as well as effective weapon. Again, I would say that one criticism is that you're in a similar vein. Um, you're, you're in a similar, similar lane to John in that. Heavy reload time Absolutely. in a tri- in a trebuchet. Oh. You're, you're again had to be in the support fashion. If you get run up on, and the, the trebuchet can be easily compromised. The trebuchet no. will not help you. No, I I, I similar to John in a one v one situation. A trebuchet is not what I want. Maybe <laughs> maybe I can like try to just hide behind it. I don't know. That's really my only option. But the strength of it relies in the range that it offers. um, Yes. Where you could stay very far away. And in a, like I was talking with John, if you're in a situation where you have skirmishers in combat, Mm -hmm. as well as the support weapons behind, um, it's, you're golden. Yes. A lot of space between you and the enemy. Oh, yeah. That's the So close range... Like, or like, yeah, if you're really tying my hands and say skirmish and my, my honorable mention that I had to write was Katana just because I also had, Katana. I had sword as my backup. Yeah. Yeah. No. But you just picked the most superior kind of sword, um, which if, is the with, given the option, which is, yeah, Katana. yeah, no. And it's it, essentially you would need to wait until bullets kind of ran out. And then once they did, you'd be extremely OP. Yeah. Yeah. So you just, while you're waiting for bullets to run out, you work on 
you know, you get your, your defenses. You get work, get your defenses, and you practice. Yeah. And then once bullets are gone, all bets are off with the handheld weapons. That's when we're oh, really yeah. gonna start seeing. Well, no, but the, it was this. It was the strongest. It was the most revolutionary weapon of its time until guns got invented. So you'd be if we're back to the feudal era, we're we're in good shape. With the that. Romans conquered all of the known world using it. So yeah, exactly. So well, we're talking about different well, things, but but whatever. It's oh, fine. sorry, sorry. I, I agree, though. I'm, I'm here for any trebuchet uh, props. All right, let's move on. So we got, yeah. I had trebuchet, Charlie had... Hatchet. Uh, Hatchet, Hatchet, and John, you had crossbow. crossbow. yeah. All right, question four. Now we're kind of, we're into sort of a more established society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got more and more members. Um but what you're starting to find is that as the homegrown distilleries are picking up and, you know, you've got a finite number of people with not a whole lot to do for fun, the moral center of your society is starting to drift. You got mm-hmm. a lot of people having sex before <laughs> being married. You've got a lot of drinking. Um, you've got pretty much thoughtless murder happening <laughs> around your your society for people that are you know travelers and such. Um, so you want to try to have something to keep them centered morally. So you're going to start a pagan religion based on worship of an animal. And so mm. the question is this: What animal do you want your society to worship? Um, I guess I think it's my time to start again. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start with me. I am going to go with the owl. Oh, um, number the one, wise, the wise owl. Yeah, Charlie said it best. Wisdom, right off the bat, obviously important. Um, extremely cool visage as mm-hmm. far as things go, especially with like a snowy owl, those yellow eyes. Um, very human, intelligent looking eyes, so they're kind of relatable to humans. Um, but at the same time, definitely a little, a, a little. Um, austere and i will say um owls as far as other birds just look like they more like have their shit together and are kind of judging other kinds of birds for like looking like like pieces of shit like you know like crows and sparrows and vultures like pretty ugly and like the long neck situation and the owls quickly figured like oh we just like Gotta limit the neck and we'll look a lot more cool and go so 360 at that point cool factor Yeah, and then the last thing that actually brings me to it, the way their heads, the way their heads swivel, it does kind of have a all-seeing eye kind of mm, kind of feel, true. feel to it. Um, I just feel like you could really build up the mythology around owls, um, and it's a good role model in general. So I'm gonna go with the owl, yeah, for my pagan religion that I may or may not be trying to start in real life. <laughs> I'd be in, depending on the merch. I'd be in. All right, Charlie. Uh, I went with another flying animal i went with the bald eagle classic choice um for simple for kind of similar reasons but they're but a little bit different one like i think that the bald eagle maybe just because we live in the united states it's like the national bird but like there's a certain reverence that's sort of um, sort of majestic sort of um uh feeling that follows a bald eagle so that would be very important, I think, to sort of, to sort of get a, a reverence standpoint going. Um, then, because it flies, it could always be the like nobility, like sort of like looking down, overseer sort of qualities that you want in a god, anyway. 
Yeah, flying's uh, important. Yeah, flying's very important. So yeah, for for those for those reasons, really, that sort of like just that more of majestic intimidation, all seeing capabilities of a flying bird. That's why I'm going with the bald eagle. No, a bald eagle is a great choice. Well, it's also I think you also have the added benefit of like they're probably. In this situation, there probably aren't bald eagles in the wild because they're kind of dumb and may go extinct over the course. Like, without outside help, bald eagles may just straight up go extinct. They're strong in Alaska, so depending on where you set up. Potentially. Um, Lots of salmon. Yeah. Which, another great underrated pick, salmon. (laughs) Salmon. Salmon. Absolutely packed with protein, if that's the kind of thing you're into worshiping. (laughs) Um... Okay, actually, to that point, uh, my what I went with was cow, and I got real pragmatic with this. Uh, you lived with Perthy for two years and I, off. What, I what, really, what are you? What are the actual Jews in like, Egypt when they were leaving? <laughs> no, okay. So here's why, and here's why I now have backed into why that oh, makes a Charlie, ton of sense. Here's why, and here's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. First of all, I want people prepared to die for their source of food. So, like, essentially, you make the cow this, like, sort of deity and, like, or whatever. It represents some sort of deity. Now people can focus their entire effort on, like, that cow is your, like, that cow is sacred. No one else touches it. Like, defend the cow from all outsiders, right? Okay. But I think within the realm of my uh, religion, you can eat the cow. It's some sort of sacrifice. Whatever. You make it a big spectacle. It's a big sacrifice. So now to every time I God. kill a cow, I have to have a big ceremony? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Okay. Not, yeah. You knock out a bunch of cows. But uh, so, oh, so We're cow- starving. It's winter. Let's have the three-day ceremony. Get, get going. Yeah, eat cow the whole time throughout the three-day ceremony. Can there be an abbreviated Plus, version of the ceremony where we kill like five at once? No, that's what I'm saying. You kill a bunch of the cows. You don't. It's not one per So you don't have ceremony. to have have a, a hoopla for one cow no maybe you do it once a once a quarter once a quarter you just kill a shitload of cows you do it up big whatever and you put the rest on ice it, on ice how are you making that salt um Ew. the uh so then yeah so so there's that whole thing also obviously cows produce milk so again good idea to keep those things protected even if you're not killing them honestly but in this case you are and then also finally i think from that, you get probably a lot of badass leather clothing because, you know, you can't waste any parts of these sacred animals. So you get some really good leather merchandise. Why were you it. wasting it in the first place? It's the apocalypse. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. All right. So I'm fine. I'm fine with John's choice on principle. No, you aren't. In the sense that I disagree with it entirely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was John. There's literally stories in a sacred book called the Bible about the problems that occur when you worship a cow. Yeah, yeah but none of those are based practically. It's just because there's a different god that's a little that's offended. So here's the problem with worshiping the cow. Number one, I've always found, and I I still agree with separation of church and state. And the cows are really the means of production in this society. Like they're they're. They're really important. They're basically the currency. They're your livelihood. If you're a cow-based society, which it sounds like you want to be. Oh, yeah. I don't really want that to be tied up in my religion. And like Charlie said, the practicality in a pinch of having to throw a three-day festival in the middle of winter because you're starting to starve is maybe not ideal. Secondly, I just feel like 
Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Charlie, you want to jump in here? Well, I just say I, I think it's tough to like kill the animal that you hold up as a deity. Like, what's the whole point of a deity if it can be killed? So I, that's where I think you know you phrase it as there's some sort of cow god, but these are you know cows. You're making an so offering to the cow god. So, so it's basically so it's basically the religious equivalent of like a mall Santa Claus. Yes. So so maybe you have. Let's let's just walk through John's holiday here, please. We're we're we have we're worshiping this cow. Assume assuming John did it right and like made up an entire religious text based on this premise. He's gonna have dying to. He's gonna have the cow. He's gonna have the cow be be the you know the 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 idol here, and the first person that came up with the festival is gonna be like, okay, cow, I wanna I wanna honor you. What should I do? And the cow is gonna be like, well, you should have a big festival, and you should all eat and have a great time. So like, what do you think? Like, what are you gonna eat? And you go, cow. I just want to know how that conversation fits into the lore. Again, if I'm re- if I'm writing the religious text, which again I am, and I'm dying to do anyway, so this is really just giving me an excuse. I'm phrasing it as cow god is calling down and saying like, "Hey, periodically, what you need to be doing. This isn't like an if you want to. This is what you it's, need." It's to a mall. It's a mall Santa Claus cow. That's what this I is. Don't understand what that is? I don't understand what the parallel is there at all. So the idea that there's like a, a head, all seeing, like all knowing Santa Claus, and then you have these helper Santa Claus that are, you know, that the ones that you could sacrifice. That sort of logic. What is the sacrifice portion of Santa Claus? <laughs> that part's new. That part is new. It, it, it breaks down. It, the, the the analogy breaks down towards the end, <laughs> but it's a, it's in the same lane there. Do we have to kill the Santa Clauses in order to get presents? Yes. That's okay. why I have not received a single gift from Santa in years. I left I all knew I was doing something wrong. I've all just been staying alive. They've been replicating out of control. Right. So I'm not exactly sure where Charlie's coming from on this one, but I we'll let you have Cal. You know what? Ben will agree with you. When Ben listens to this, Ben will agree with me in that Probably. logic. That's not your saving grace, though. No, so I think it all comes down to how I write text and how convincing I can be with it. We just do another pod where you just read the foundational <laughs> myth. If you do that, done, and it sounds good, and I and I buy into it, then I'm fine. Colin, I could probably write it in like 15 minutes. I'm not going to because you have places to. Be. All right, all right, John. What you do is that you have in your religious text, you have the father of the cows. You call it something else sent you its sons, the cows, yeah. for your survival, and you basically just have Christianity all over again. Yeah, it's pretty much what it is, and but it'd be some sort of like, you know, killing the fatted calf type of thing. I do think milk as the Holy Spirit is an interesting concept. That'd be sick. That'd be kind of sick. Because it's kind of like a more fluid, but also life-giving substance. Much more nutritional, to be completely honest with yeah. you, than wine. Um, okay, we should move on because we're right. running along. I, I will say I did have an honorable mention that was similar to John's. Okay. And that I think the Buffalo is a really good second choice. That'd be cool. um, yeah. Absolutely just flushed with power naturally and has that free spirit that you want in a, in a fledgling society. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys had any uh, any honorable mentions there. I, w- I went with, in a similar, I went with deer in, in my honorable okay. mention. For a similar thing, it's like a very like. Fear the deer. Uh, 
hurting, like, sort of free-flowing thing. I mean, and being able to put Fear the Deer on your, like, your banners as you go into battle with your trebuchet would be a huge advantage. Oh, just having a big buck as your, like, emblem on your flags? Awesome. You know? Yeah. Bobby B had that six stag helmet. It was, yeah, 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 there's a lot there. All right. Now we're going to move into the last question. And this is actually, I originally, when I was doing this, was like, what if we did a pod where somebody that didn't know any of uh, the any of us would actually like still be able to listen to the pod and not be confused? And so far, we're there. Okay, um, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna break it, right? Yeah, because uh, I couldn't resist. So, assuming all ten owners in the league survive the plague, who dies first in the aftermath? And I guess it's John's turn. Let's go my first. turn. Okay. Um. I'm going to be honest, it's probably me. John. <laughs> Starting out strong. Hands up, I also went John on my pick, so we'll the be able to go. Pumps run dry. Listen, I so it's not necessarily, and I know where Charlie's probably going to go with this, it's not probably what Charlie's going to say, in my opinion. I think it's because I am too trusting, and I think I would be lured into some manner of trap. Like, I would... People would like be like calling for help or something like that, and I'd be like, "Fuck, I gotta help these people," and they like capture me and eat me or something ridiculous like that. Charlie, I don't know about you, but I just had a glimpse of reading like an interview question: "What's your greatest weakness?" And John's answer was, "I'm too <laughs> trusting. I work too Trusting, work too hard, and I'm too reliable. I'm too committed to my job. Yeah, yeah. And I'm too trusting. No, I think I would be, I, I would not, I'm, okay, a, a different phrasing of, I am not cutthroat enough okay. to be able to survive that's, in a uh, in a post-apocalyptic society. If you're going to pick yourself, just let's frame it negatively. Yeah, okay, that's, well, I, yes. I phrased it positively for a reason. But yeah, I'm not cutthroat enough, I think, to be able to be like, yeah, let's just go out and murder a lot of people. I don't yeah. think I thrive in that situation. And I don't know that I'm going to get any disagreements from no, you two. No, I, I don't no. disagree. Yeah. So Charlie, I, I'm guessing you had the same thing. No, I had... I had uh, so I think an, under, an underrated factor of the breakdown of society is the breakdown of hospitals and modern medicine as we come to as, we, as we've done it and so illness becomes a huge factor you have to deal with and john strikes me as just capable we think of capable of being taken down by a cold now and so let alone in a, in a post-apocalyptic society so you're saying the frailty factor the, fr- the frailty more or less weak body mike Petreca sort of factor all always in on one wide shot yeah, I mean, none of these are any points that I can really argue with. Um, I don't have coronavirus yet. I'm going to point that out as my lone saving We're well, sitting well within six feet after I've been in contact with roughly 200 people, John. Yeah. We try our luck. Yeah. Um, so I actually did not pick John. Wow. Um, big big day for old However, diesel. I would like to say I, I kind of took a multifaceted approach to this. So from what I – from my, my view, there's roughly – Five people who I think are candidates. So you've got John, you got Mike. Yeah. Uh, so so John, for all the reasons that have already been named, Mike, a lack of di- transferable skill. Um, a lot of Mike's talents 
I don't really feel like stay relevant. Mike has a lot of modern talents that would no longer be relevant. To live without Wi-Fi. Also low. Whoa. Yes. Um, So that's Mike. Then you've got Brian. Obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, You've got Ben. Similar to Mike. Just lack of transferable skills. Although Ben is like definitely, I think, the closest to making it out of this bracket into survival just by, I think he's kind of an adaptable guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, as is transferable skills. Oh, and the main thing I forgot, almost forgot, from Jersey, which carries with it all of those problems. I just feel like if you're from New Jersey, a talent in the wild just seems extremely unlikely. Um, The last one on the list, though, which is actually my pick this is the bottom tier list, is Alex Avalon. <laughs> and, and here's why. All the other people on this list have obvious practical problems with why they couldn't survive. Alex, on the surface, has all the tools. He's athletic. He's, according to Ford, very smart. <laughs> Haven't seen it corroborated by any other source, but I, I'll just give him the benefit of the doubt because I don't know. Um... You know, he's, he's not, he's not frail. He's not, he's not, he has some transferable skill. I, he's been camping before. Um, but Alex, pro, Alex's problem is just a complete and total absence of tact on any level. Just, just a lack of, just a lack of situational awareness. And situational awareness. Yeah. And I think a lot of what we're going to encounter in this situation, especially coming upon new groups of people, is that every single word that you say is going to be extremely scrutinized and extremely important because of the level of mistrust. Everyone's going to think that each person is out to get them. Everybody is going to be distrusting at first of new people because, you know, they'll have had examples of people that weren't trustworthy. And there is just absolutely 0% chance that Alex doesn't just fatally fuck that up and get himself murdered in like the first week. Yeah. There's no yeah. Way. yeah. That's, that's, that's correct. So my thought is that Alex survives. He's well on his way to being a productive member of the non-society. And he comes up on somebody and just reads the room so wrong and ends up with a crossbow bolt through his throat. It's just what's going to happen. I'm going with Alex, first member dead, not for lack of trying, just for lack of ability to understand what's going on. No, I think that's pretty... I think, yeah, essentially Alex just makes one poor, poorly timed joke. Yeah, it's all it takes. So that's or, or on a side that, like, in the middle of, like, farming is a time to play, like, a practical joke on someone, and then that's, like, now they're just, they just get murdered in cold blood. <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, I, it's not like... I don't want Alex or anybody else that I put on the bottom tier list with the exception of John to take it the wrong way. I just think that he just doesn't have it in terms of being being able to keep himself under control. So that's what I'm going with. So we've we've decided two people went for John, one person went for Alex. First dead, prove us wrong. Which if you were on, if you were named, prove me wrong. Um, you know, I'd love to see it. I just want to say this segment was a huge win for Mike's everywhere. Mike's across the world. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Snuck by under the radar. I, you know, I brought some things up, but we went easy on you, Mike. Very. Um, I, th- I think, I think the lack of transferable skills is the nicest thing you could have said about why Mike wouldn't have survived in this, in this society. 
I thought long and hard about how to phrase like, it. Like that was that was the nicest way you could have phrased that. Yeah. All right. So with that, there is one question that I did not send to John and Charlie in advance. So I'm going to put them on the spot and only they're going to answer. Um, so we'll go ahead with that now. So the kind of to set the stage here, we're going to be looking at a, lot, a limited number of people and a limited number of potential sexual partners, either male or female, whatever Perfect. you're into. Yeah. So this question is posed only for the bachelors on the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be more demoralizing to have to be rejected by a potential sexual partner when there are literally no other living <laughs> options or to be accepted by a potential se- sexual partner, but have them explicitly tell you that the only reason you've been accepted is because there are no other living options. Which one is worse? <sighs> Shit. Um, I think, all right, so this is, it's the outright rejection in my opinion, is the worst. (laughs) Because at least in the latter scenario, you get something out of it. Like, there's there's a potential, A, there's the whole, uh, you know, pleasurable feeling, and then you might get a kid and, like, continuation of your society out of it. Like, with the rejection, it's like, not only am I not going to have sex with you, but I am willing to just, like, Prohibit the continuation of our species because of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's, that's, that's a tough fair. one to bounce back from at all. So I'll let John go and then I'll. Go. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate just because I was on the fence either way. So I'm going to say it's the, it's the like uh, allowing of the mating to happen, but knowing it's only because you're the only option. But her clarifying, like, no, like this oh, is. Oh, so it's a she for it's, John. It's well, officially a she because progeny. But well, in that case, it has to be a she. <laughs> yeah. So the um, so I think the reason why that hurts more is that you essentially, like, at that point, the partner like has decided inside themselves, like, okay, I'm just going to do what I am supposed to be doing for the human race. Like this is my this is my role now. Like we just need to all swallow the pill and get over mm-hmm. it. If they're clarifying, like yeah, this is just because of the human race. They're just being mean. You're there's truly no, appalling. Like there's no there's yeah. no actual reason to do that. At least in the like outright no. rejection, it's like clearly like there's some other issue that like no, there's no reason to clarify that it's just for procreational purposes and to tell you that you're basically ugly and yeah. not appealing. just to kick you in the balls. Like <laughs> yeah. that is the only reason to do that. No, that's, that's, that's fair. And Charlie, my thought for, for that, I'm actually leaning towards with John on mm. this one. And the reason that I was thinking about it is that you would live also in constant fear that like if you ever came upon another person <laughs> on the road, you'd know it was just over. Yeah. Like, so then That's at true. that point, the one thing you're hoping for, which is probably to find more people, becomes also your biggest fear because yeah. the minute that you find other people, you're like, realistically, I'm losing my <laughs> my partner here. Well, here's the thing: is that in, in my opinion, that'll be enough time for me to give her some chazzle dazzle, and then she won't. That won't. That won't be a factor anymore. So you're thinking you're gonna turn it around? I'm saying I, I could I could make her switch teams on that one. Like, 
Chazzle Dazzle. Chuck is living in a post-apocalyptic rom-com. So Chazzle Dazzle. But yeah, regardless of where they start, mentally and emotionally at the beginning, by the time we get to like, I, I can make her switch teams by by that end point. There's a bunch of like indie pop playing in the background. The phrase "How right. to Save a Life" is playing. It's great. I, I definitely underestimated the chazzle dazzle factor in <laughs> yeah. my calculation. You didn't know I had that in the back pocket. I did. Evidently not. <laughs> all right, so that that is all that I had in terms of questions. I don't know. I I did say if you guys wanted to have a surprise question for yourselves, you could ask. So I don't I don't know if either of you had any. We have a quick couple minutes. Chuck, do you have anything? Um, I, I did not prepare any sort of no individual question or anything like that. I only had the one, so we can fit that in real right, we'll quick, do I think. Uh, so I just had a pretty straightforward one for the two of you, and I, I might come up with an answer too. Which apocalyptic event do you guys think would be the hardest to be survived, like the hardest to survive that's like, you know, still like plausible that you could survive it? So not like an asteroid hits the earth and just blows it into a million pieces. Okay. Like, uh, you know, like volcano eruption, zombie apocalypse, like epidemic, whatever. I mean, I feel like in terms of just like raw chance of survival, epidemic seems the best because yeah. you can, first of all, epidemics, not mobile without the actual carriers moving. True. And if you really, really were worried about it, you could just immediately quit your job and go live in the mountains by yourself for, however long it took for everyone else to die. Yeah. Zombies, the mobility factor means that maybe they would eventually find you while migrating. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I, I'm just going to go with epidemic on this one. Um, mostly because I just, the, the volcano thing is a complex simulation that I don't have time to really play with. <laughs> um, and largely based on where you are. So I, I, really yeah. for an epidemic, wherever you are, if you early on see the warning signs and just get into the bush, it's a pretty foolproof strategy. Yeah. Well, not, not only that, but I'm going with Epidemic too because in every sort of movie that plays out this scenario, if you have survived the total breakdown of society to where you're in like the nomad sort of scenarios that we've been like depicting, you have some sort of natural immunity or resistance to the disease anyway. So it's no longer a factor uh, for your like survival. And people you find are oftentimes in the same right. boat. So, so like once you survive that wave of like thing, like the disease is no longer a factor against your survival. I agree with that. Yeah, no, um, I think easy. that makes sense. Um, and, and I've said oftentimes that if an asteroid is going to hit the Earth or we're going to get nuked, I want the missile to hit me or the asteroid to land on my house. Like, I do, <laughs> I do not want to live through either of those scenarios. <laughs> no, that's fair. No, that's okay. So I, I don't know what I said. Maybe I said easiest. I meant to say hardest. So I was thinking about this the opposite way. Oh, the hardest, I think, is nuclear fall, nuclear fallout. Nuclear I was going to say, like, nuclear is a good one. I was thinking, all, like, the volcano erupting thing, if it was big enough to be a truly apocalyptic event, like... You get, the, yellow, get the, the Yellowstone super volcano. That eruption finally happens. Exactly. See, that's almost on the level, though, of an asteroid to me. Like, yeah. That's just the end game. It is, but... Well, in, so terms, in terms of the damage it does, sort of throwing, like, dust and shit in the atmosphere, yeah, it's like basically a big asteroid. Well, so that's what I'm thinking of is that, like, essentially that's just going to kill every plant that's alive. And at that point, the, like, the, whatever, you know, the food chain's fucked and you're just, 
you're kind of just playing a waiting game till you die. There's no way to outlast that. Well, that's why. So that's why I'm going with still nuclear fallout because if you ever seen the movie uh, Deep Impact, they they have the asteroid scenario, and what they what they do is they put a million people in these tunnels that they dig in the mountains of Missouri. And they have enough supplies to survive there for five years until the dust settles. They can rebuild, like, society. If it's nuclear fallout, you have some sort of, like, immediate aftermath that kills everything. And then you also have, like, nuclear radiation for the next, like, 100 years you have to deal with. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that the fault i think new I mean, if we're going hardest to survive i think nuclear is the hardest to survive yeah i, I agree with you guys the pandemic's probably or, uh, whatever epidemic is probably the easiest um okay we are at colin's 9:45 allotted time um so con do you have anything else to uh to share with the people before you no, go I, hop I, back on a conference call i'm glad that was fun uh big brown beckons yeah again I don't actually know if anyone's going to be on this call, but I am going to check off. So I appreciate you guys playing along with my little, uh, my little game. Yeah, and, no, that was uh, fun. I hope, hope the people at jo- at home enjoy it. No, I I think I appreciate you uh, bringing forward some of these questions. That was uh, yeah, I really liked them. They were good. Those were tough questions, honestly. I had to think about them. So that was well. Uh, I'm glad Charlie did too because it took him four minutes, took me three. So obviously, John's just a big dummy. Yeah, and I came up with uh, cow and myself. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, check back here tomorrow for our uh, whatever tomorrow is episode. I think uh, we have. I think we have Jane on tomorrow. I think we actually had that planned. We have Jane lined up for tomorrow, so check back in on that. A rare uh, non-league member uh, popping in, so that should be exciting. Uh, But until we are back with that episode, peace.